Hi everyone. I just got back from the beach moments ago and I'm sitting down at the microphone for the first time in over a week, feeling refreshed and recharged and ready for the week ahead. I hope you are as well. Happy Monday. Today, I am really excited to bring you this interview with Ron Friedman about his new book, Decoding Greatness, How the Best in the World Reverse Engineer Success. So what is reverse engineering and how can you take lessons from the greatest minds in the world and use it to influence your own greatness? Take a listen. I am honored to have on the show today, Ron Friedman, author of Decoding Greatness, How the Best in the World Reverse Engineer Success, which comes out June 15th. In this book, which by the way, is one of the very best I've read lately, Ron teaches all of us how to deconstruct the work of the greats and make it our own. Ron is a psychologist and behavior change expert who specializes in human motivation, so fascinating to me. And this is Ron's follow-up to the bestseller, The The Best Place to Work, The Art and Science of Creating an Extraordinary Workplace. Welcome to I'd Rather Be Reading. Thanks so much, Rachel. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's great to have you here. Before we start, what is a human motivation expert? I'm just so curious. So I am a social psychologist, and uh, I studied with Ed DC and Richard Ryan, who are the two psychologists who were profiled in Daniel Pink's book, Drive. And the theory that we focused on was what is it that makes people happy, productive, and successful? And what it comes down to is that we all have three basic human psychological needs. And those psychological needs are the need for competence, so feeling like you're good at what you do and feeling like you're growing, Uh, the need for relatedness, feeling like you're connected and appreciated by others, all the good things that come from human relationships, and the need for autonomy, feeling like you have some say in how you go about doing your job. And when you have those three psychological needs, you have uh, ideal and optimal human motivation. And so that is what is entailed in the study of human motivation. So fascinating to me. So what inspired you to write this book, Decoding Greatness? Well, in my first book, The Best Place to Work, what I focused on were taking all of the research on how people can produce great work and develop great workplaces and translated them into plain English so that anyone, regardless of whether they're a CEO or just someone starting out, could have access to the science of top performance. But there was something missing from that book. And what was missing is that even within the best workplaces, there's a range in how effectively people are at their jobs. Some people outperform others. And so I was curious about what is it that helps people achieve great things. And what I discovered in doing the research for Decoding Greatness is that in in many cases, the stories we've been told about how people achieve success are wrong. And most of us grew up believing one of two basic stories of how people achieve at the highest levels. The first is that greatness comes from talent. So from this perspective, we're all born with certain innate strengths. And the key to achieving greatness is finding a field that allows your strengths to shine. Then there's a second story. And that second story is that greatness comes from practice. So from this perspective, getting to the top requires that you have the right practice regimen and an appetite for doing lots of hard work. But in doing the research for Decoding Greatness, what I found is that there's a third story, 
and it's one that's not often told, yet it's the path that an astonishing number of top performers from writers to artists to inventors have used for generation, and that is uh, mastering a skill uh, that not too many people have heard of, which is reverse engineering. And reverse engineering essentially just means finding the best in a field and then working backwards to figure out how they did it. You led perfectly into my next question. So if you want to expound on what reverse engineering is, I'd love it. First of all, I mean, that's a large chunk of the book, but mm -hmm. I'd also like to know how all of us can take reverse engineering, which in the book you write is a process used by tech innovators mm -hmm. and incorporated into our own lives. Yeah, so reverse engineering, again, it means finding examples that really resonate with you, whether it be great writing or a website that just captivates you, or maybe it's even just a photo that f moves you. And f working to identify clues hidden inside that work that tell you how it was created and how you might recreate it if you so chose. In Silicon Valley, the idea of reverse engineering is well known. There's a long history of coders deconstructing winning products to learn how they're made. It's how we got the personal computer and laptops and the iPhone. But what's less well known is that reverse engineering also explains how writers like Stephen King and Malcolm Gladwell learned to write and how painters like Claude Monet became a groundbreaking artist and how Judd Apatow became one of the most successful comedy minds of our generation. And so it really depends on what it is that you are trying to reverse engineer because there are different techniques within different fields. So for example, in the world of writing, nonfiction author, authors will often go to the bibliography at the end of the book to identify the sources that went into creating that work. I can tell you that a lot of authors do this. They go right to the notes section at the end of the book. I do that. <laughs> you do that, right. I and do that. It, you know, it's interesting because what you uncover when you do that is sometimes there's a certain, you can almost tell what's what's going to, it's, it's a preview of what's going to happen in the book. And it also gives you clues on the types of information that author finds interesting. And you find real differences in uh, the percentage of academic journal articles, for example, versus um, materials that come from just completely different fields that that, that author doesn't belong to. So uh, you might also find that uh, one particular author uses a lot of sports references or uses um, podcasts as a resource. All of that gives you clues about how they went about creating the materials. And if you wanted to recreate their formula, you could potentially go to some of those same sources. Chefs will often order dishes to go. And what they do when they get them home is that they'll, for example, spread sauces out on a white plate to parse out the ingredients. Sometimes there's a magnifying glass involved. Um, photographers can look at images and find clues about how the image was created by looking at things like the length of the shadows that tells you the location of the light source. You can also look into the subject's eyes to see reflections of the light source as well. The critical thing ultimately is not just to enjoy an object passively, but to continuously think, how was this constructed? How can I learn from this? And, and, and how does this apply to a project that I'm working on? This is just so fascinating to me. Listeners, you've got to pick up Decoding Greatness, June 15th. So I wanna make a point here that it's not being a copycat, right? It's not, it's not plagiarizing work or just outright taking a recipe if you're a chef. You write on page 76, quote, mimicry alone rarely results in greatness. It's only by deconstructing 
the masters, and then adding a twist that we produce extraordinary results. The right question, therefore, you're speaking of, of the writer Malcolm Gladwell, who's a genius in my mind. The right question, therefore, is not how do I write like Malcolm Gladwell? It's how do I take Gladwell's formula and make it my own? So Ron, how on earth did you come up with this brilliant concept of, of reverse engineering? <laughs> I appreciate the, the way you framed that question. I will accept the premise. <laughs> Take it. Take it all the way home. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I, I have to tell you, I stumbled upon it. And I think that that's how often uh, many creative people come up with this formula. Because as I was writing this book, I talked to a lot of creative professionals and, you know, just people who are my friends who work in various creative industries. And I told them what I was working on. And invariably, I'd get the same reaction from folks in creative fields. And that is... I've been doing that all my life. I've never read a book about it. And we all kind of just figure it out on our own because no, it's not taught in college courses. No one has, um, to my knowledge, written about it in an extensive way. And that's what I tried to do in Decoding Greatness. And I just, I'll tell you the story of how I came across this idea was that I was forced to produce a creative work. I didn't know how to do it. And in my case, it was writing an academic journal article. I was in my second year at U the University of Rochester where I was studying for my degree in social psychology. And I had to, that's one of the, what's one of the hoops you have to jump through is you have to produce a journal article. And, and you, you know, in order to become a successful academic, that's something you're gonna have to do again and again and again. So getting it right was really important. And I didn't really know how to do it. And I struggled for a while. There was a period of insomnia. And one day I decided I was just going to take a string of articles from an author, an academic whose work I really respected. And I just read them one after the other. And then eventually I came upon what I identified was a formula that was used by this writer again and again in every article where he would start with uh, some sort of surprising fact. Then he would zoom out and talk about the impact of that fact on society as a whole. And then he would transition to a literature review and then present what his studies were going to be. So that's a little bit inside baseball for uh, how academic articles are written in social psychology, but it, I came away with an outline of how to write an article. And it made it so much easier because essentially what I had was a template. I, now I just had to drop in what was my startling fact, what was my literature review, what were my studies about, and it became so much simpler. And so in many cases, that's the way we should be going about whatever it is you're trying to develop, whether you are a graphic designer and you need to develop logos, uh, whether you're a writer and you want to produce uh, a book or a memo or a proposal, it's collect some examples of things that you respect. In my case, I had this writer whose articles I was interested in, analyze what they're doing, and then create a template so that you can recreate the formula by dropping in your materials. Now, as you correctly pointed out, you don't wanna simply duplicate because what nothing brings down a genre faster than a string of copycats. Right. You will want to add your unique twist. And that's really a, another, area that we can explore together. And that twist can come from a variety of, of, of areas. And one of the things that I think is a, a hopeful takeaway for folks is that if you've been stuck thinking that you needed to have uh, inborn talent and you just don't have it, or that you need to practice for 10 years until you get great, one of the message I hope you take away from Decoding Greatness is that you don't need to put in that struggle. What you need is a system from learning from the best. 
like drawing your own roadmap, right? And and putting signposts in there. And it's it's it, it's been so helpful. I read the book, Decode, I read Decoding Greatness maybe two or three weeks ago. And since then, so I'm mostly a magazine writer. And since then, I've gone back to some of the articles that I've just loved from Maureen Orth or Dominic Dunn from magazines over the years. And I've tried to see what's their formula and be more intentional about that because, and that has helped me so much in my writing. So it is already producing fruit for me because I'm thinking, okay, this is how, this is how the masters in, in my craft did it. And it's, it's, it's been very helpful and I know it will be for anyone who reads. So what is the most interesting piece of information you learned while researching and then writing the book? Man, I don't even know where, where to begin. There are so many stories. You know, one of the things that I, you know, I talk about collecting great examples and, um, that's kind of the first step to to de be developing your formula and figuring out what it is that resonates with you so that you can reverse engineer it. And in my case, I collected a lot of stories and I looked for opportunities to see where they fit. And so there are so many interesting stories in the in decoding greatness. And I guess the one that I would point to, I don't know if this is the the, the most surprising thing I learned, but it is something that I, I found so interesting, which is the story of Barack Obama and how he became the speaker that he became. So not a lot of people know this, but long before he became president, Obama got trounced in his first congressional race. And it wasn't even close. He he two out of three voters rejected him. And the problem was, if you can believe it, that he was a dreadful speaker. Uh, Unbelievable, been, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he, he had been a professor, a law professor, and he was used to lecturing students. And voters didn't appreciate being lectured to, and they let him know at the ballot. So for a while, Obama considered leaving politics until he noticed the way that pastors delivered sermons at church. And he started applying that same approach to his speeches. So you see the difference in if you look at recordings from early on in his career to a few years later, where he now starts telling stories and he starts modulating his tone and he's using repetition to drive home points. And what I think Obama's journey illustrates is that, again, often the quickest path to success isn't finding your talent or practicing harder. It's plucking strategies that work in other fields and importing them into your own. So if you're a magazine writer, there are opportunities for taking things that you find working in other fields. Like, for example, you might notice something really interesting that an HBO show is doing in terms of cutting scenes, and you could potentially incorporate that into the way that you write. So there's, I think that just looking out at all of the things that we are, we find interesting, and this is another thing that's kind of liberate, liberating in, in um, when you think about where creative ideas come from is don't feel guilty about your guilty pleasure because it's in what you enjoy consuming that you can implicitly learn from and then incorporate into your formula in a different field. And it all adds up, right? And I think, you know, all of us are, are blessed with, I believe everyone has a talent of some kind. No one is skipped in the talent process, but we have to be intentional about how we use it. It's, it's you know, o Obama is one of the best speakers of our of our generation, I would say. And, but he, he didn't start out that way. He was very intentional about being a student of the craft. Mm -hmm. And that I think is, is one of the points that this book drives home is be intentional about whatever you want to do, study the masters, and then put your unique spin on it 
to make it your own. So again, such a great book, Decoding Greatness, June 15th. Last question for you, Ron, what do you hope readers ultimately take away from Decoding Greatness? I, what I hope that they take away from it is that greatness, you don't have to be you, you do, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this answer again. <laughs> so, uh, if you want to edit this, you can. But what okay. I what I hope people take away from this is that you don't have to be a genius in order to achieve greatness. You just need a system that helps you get there. And decoding greatness offers you a host of tools that you can apply to whatever your field for getting there faster. Ron, thank you so much for being here. For someone that studies human motivation, this human is motivated towards <laughs> greatness, maybe more than ever. Listeners, make sure to get your own copy of Decoding Greatness on June 15th. Thank you, Ron. My pleasure, Rachel. Thanks for having me. So speaking of people who are great at what they do, I have two companion picks for Decoding Greatness today. Amazon Unbound, Jeff Bezos and the Invention of a Global Empire by Brad Stone and Center Stage by Michael Kay, where Michael shares transcripts of some of his best interviews on his program of the same name, everyone from Joe Namath to Adam Sandler to Serena Williams to Jay-Z. It's a great look into not only the lives of these icons, but also a masterclass on how to ask questions. So on Thursday, we're back with another author interview for you, this time with Dr. Kristen Neff, author of the book, Fierce Self-Compassion. Until then, my friends, 